We're going to continue today our discussion on the topic of patience. Last week we discussed, we, so we spoke about some stories, we spoke about Hillel, we spoke about Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, about accepting the reality of that different people have different opinions. Not everyone will see things the way we see it. Not everyone will understand things the way we understand it. Not everyone will like the same candidate for president like we like. It's fine. It's perfectly fine. The world is made up of different people who have different opinions, who have different values, have different morals, who have different understandings. And that's perfectly fine. That's what makes this world a beautiful place. Find me a couple. Find me a single couple who agree about everything right? You won't find any. And that's the reality of a marriage. The reality of a marriage is that there are different, different opinions inside that relationship. And if they don't have different opinions, they have other problems, right? Because uh, it, that's the reality of life. The reality of life is that you learn to connect with people, notwithstanding your differences. And there are things that everyone needs to overlook, so when you see someone in the, in the marketplace, you see someone in your, in your office, you see someone in your synagogue who doesn't act the way you act, who doesn't think the way you think, who doesn't behave the way you behave, who doesn't have the same morals or ethics or politics the way you have, that's perfectly fine. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's okay for people to have different opinions. That is the greatness of the world we're living in. And the Almighty wants us to appreciate those differences and which is why we are given the challenges of life to have different perspectives constantly um, being displayed before us. So we mentioned last week that it would be a recommendation to have 15 minutes a day of not only tolerating differences, but still maintaining our kindness to that person. Because there are two steps. There's step one, I don't appreciate the, di- I don't appreciate the difference, and now I need to learn to appreciate that difference. But then there's a step two. What's that step two? That step two is when I not only appreciate the differences, I'm willing to continue to bestow the kindness on that person, notwithstanding the differences that we have. Okay? That is a whole different ballgame. And it's something which is important for us to constantly work on. That means not only if someone doesn't think the way we think, but we're not going to hold it against them. We're not going to penalize them for not thinking the way we think because of that. So we will accept on ourselves, we spoke about last week, to set aside 15 minutes to be patient and tolerant of everything and anything that may happen to us in that period. Whether someone insults me, whether someone says something I completely disagree with, whether I see something I dislike, Right? In no way can we allow this to disturb our inner peace. And that's, that's the most important piece here. That's the most important uh, idea, is that we can never allow the impatience to disturb our own inner peace. And if a response is necessary, it must be calculated and measured to the point that we will not have any emotion in our response. It shouldn't be out of anger. It shouldn't be out of a spite Uh, We should accept those differences, find a way to express it that is loving and kind, right? So now we need to discuss what it means to have patience with ourselves. What does it mean to have patience with ourselves? Kindness is a trait, we said, that draws people together. Anger is one that distances people. Now, it's very important to understand that someone who doesn't have proper 
patience will ultimately fall into the trap of anger. Okay? That is the reality of how Hashem created this world. If we don't have proper patience, the result is going to be is that we're going to go into, fall into the trap of anger. Our sages uh, warn us about this. Okay, so the first thing that we need to know when we talk about patience on being patient with ourselves is that we're only judged by the Almighty by what we're capable of and not more. Right? Many times the big challenge that people have with not being patient with themselves is that they think, I'm going to be judged as to why I'm not like them and why I'm not like them. Why don't I, why don't I act like them and why don't I be like them and why, why, don't my, why aren't my children like them and why don't I... That's not the question that should be asked. It's not how God judges us. The way God judges us is by what we are capable of. God wants us to be the best that we can be. And that is our requirement. Our requirement is for us to be the best that we can be. Okay? So with that being said, we have to understand that we must keep trying. Right? It says that a right, the righteous fall seven times and rise up again. Proverbs by King Solomon. Right? There's no such thing as a great person who gave up. A great person doesn't give up. A great person continues and continues and continues. Right? Just because you have a failure doesn't mean you should stop. That is the difference between someone who's good and someone who's great. Uh, someone who's great didn't give up. Someone who's good uh, didn't get discouraged and kept on trying. And we should not be looking at what other people are, are doing and saying to ourselves, well, you know, it's like the student of the great Rabbi Saul Salanta, the founder of the Muslim movement. He said, Rabbi, he says, if I had the brain of this one and the character traits of this one, and the willpower of this one, I would be someone great. And the rabbi said, no, he says, you're making a mistake. He says, with your mind and with your character traits and with your, with your, you know, with all of your qualities, with your virtues, you could be great, right? The problem is, is that we don't realize how great we are as individuals. Our image of what is great or what is successful is based on what we, how we judge other people. And it's a very dangerous thing. Because I'll give you an example. This is one of my pet peeves, by the way. Okay, this is one of my one of my pet peeves. It's a, you know, the Mishnah says, "Lo alecha hamlacha It's not your job to finish the task. It's not your job to finish. It's a big mistake that people make. It's like a finish your job. Okay, it's not your job to finish. But the Mishnah clarifies this and says, "But it is your job not to finish trying." Not to stop trying. Okay, that means like this. Let me, let me explain. Someone is working on writing a book. Okay. Is there a job to publish the book? No, that's not their job. Their job is to never stop trying to finish that book. Okay. Your job is to never stop, is, is not, to, is not to, to reach a final product. But you're not allowed to stop putting your effort forward and trying to attain that perfection. Okay? So let me give you another example. If someone wants to accomplish greatness in, in prayer, is anybody going to accomplish greatness in prayer? Someone wants to learn an entire tractate of Talmud. It's a big accomplishment, right? But is that your job to finish or is your job to not stop 
putting your effort forward, not to stop demanding from yourself. Again, now there's a big difference between setting expectations that are high and setting expectations of a final product. Our job is not, here's again the big mistake, it's not about the final product that makes a difference. It's about the effort that should never stop. It's a great question, Stephanie. Stephanie's asking a great question. She's saying, what do we do if we don't know what the Almighty wants from us, right? And we don't know if we're living up to the expectations that he has for, for us, right? And that's a very, very great question because here's the thing, is that we should not be measuring ourselves by other people's standards. We should be measuring standards, okay? And we have to get to know ourselves. And this is the journey of Musar study. You know, the, the, what we're talking about each and every day here, each and every week in this class and each and every Musar class that we teach, it's worthwhile getting to know ourselves. It's worthwhile spending time trying to understand who we are. Very, very important and fundamental task for us to get to know ourselves. And when we realize the strengths that we have, the abilities that we have, the potential that we have, it'll be a remarkable revelation to us that we can accomplish so much more than we thought we could. We say that uh, in Proverbs, seven times the righteous fall. Do you know how many people who were successful, you can ask them, how many people, we look at them as like, wow, there's a Michael Jordan or there's a... uh, there's a, you know, someone who was successful in, in, his, uh, in his business career, uh, a Michael Dell, or we have you know, a, all of these incredible personalities. By the way, just because someone is successful in, 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 in financially does not mean that they're a successful person. Very far from it. Many times they're the most unsuccessful people. They're people who can't maintain a relationship. Uh, they're people who can't maintain a friendship. They're always uh, high on themselves. That's not necessarily what uh, the... Many of them, you know, think of a Steve Jobs, right? Very successful. No. He had a daughter he never spoke to, right? Who couldn't get along with his wife, right? He couldn't get along with his, with his, with his child. There's like, I mean, so many, is that what we consider success? No. Show me someone who has a good relationship. I'll show you a successful person. But even those people who had success in whatever, in whatever measure they were able to succeed, you will find that those people had many, many, many challenges along the way. And it was the challenges that they got up from that made them stronger. Many times someone loses a job and they think like, oh, the world is over. The world is ending. What's going to be? Now I don't have a job and I can't pay my bills. And they don't realize that it's just an opening for a new door that opens up an entire new world for them. It's not just a new door. It's a new world that opens up for them. And if we just stop and realize that we our job shake yourselves off, brush yourself off, renew your energy, and get going again, right? Our job is not to stop aspiring for greatness. Are we going to reach greatness? Maybe, maybe not. Are we going to reach perfection? Maybe, maybe not. But our job is to never, ever, ever stop desiring and aiming for the sky. That is our job. And we need to remember that and be patient with ourselves, We need to be patient with ourselves, recognizing I'm doing the best that I can do. I don't care that people are outpacing me. I don't care that people are more successful than me. I need to make the best me that I can make. And I guarantee you that if we use such an approach, if we use such an approach for our lives, we will have a lot less stress. Because the reason why we have a generation today where so much of what goes on in the world is 
is uh, hurting us. People are, are, are suffering uh, with uh, anxiety and people are suffering is because we're looking too much at what other people are doing. We're looking at, we're looking too much at what, whether, whether or not other people approve of what we're doing or they don't approve of what we're doing, whether they like what we're doing or they don't. And instead of using God as the barometer of what God has in mind for us, we're using other people. And God is a lot friendlier. God is a lot kinder. God is a lot more patient. It's a much better barometer than uh, using other people as our measure. A big fundamental principle in all of our work on ourselves is the work of not jumping, okay? And we have to know that all of our growth is predicated on the fundamental principle of one step at a time. You try to jump, you will fall. Like we consider our personal growth as our growth like on Jacob's ladder. Jacob had a ladder. There's a reason he had a ladder and he didn't have some uh, some supersonic uh, rocket taking him up to heaven and taking the angels back down. He had a ladder. You know why? Because it identifies a step-by-step growth that's organic, that's natural, that's healthy. And if we try to jump too much too fast, we could endanger our all of our spirituality and all of our growth, and we can fall, right? The Talmud in, in Kedushin 17a says, tafasta merubalat lo tafasta. If you grab too much, you grab nothing, right? You know those people, they give someone, let's say, uh, 10 minutes, all you can shop, whatever you can get into your basket. And most people have regrets when they actually are done, if they, when they interview them, they're very excited and everything, but they usually have regrets. And the reason they have regrets is because they try to grab too much. That's the bottom line. They try to grab too much. They end up with not much, right? If we try to also be this and also be that and also be this and also be that, we end up with nothing. Just focus at one thing at a time. Become a perfectionist, a professional in one area, not in every area, in one area. And then that area will lead to a second area. And that'll lead to a third area. But we have to take the steps slowly to work on our perfection one step at a time. Let's not try to be perfect in every area of life. We have to be perfect in one area of life. And even that area, we don't have to be perfect. But we have to try to never stop aiming for the sky. You may not make it, but that's your responsibility. Your responsibility is to never stop trying. Okay, so not to give up. That's the first principle. Stay patient. We need to stay patient with ourselves. If we stay patient with ourselves, we will have so much more success. I'll give you another example. As many of you know, for the past couple of months, actually on Friday, this past Friday, I was supposed to be running the Jerusalem Marathon in Jerusalem. And of course, everything uh, like the marathon was uh, shut down. And I'm here in Houston, Texas now, in the amazing Houston, Texas, instead of being in the most amazing and remarkable Jerusalem. So as part of this process, for many months I've been training, I also lost a lot of weight. And uh, I can tell you that anybody who's ever been on a diet has felt the same frustration, where you want to accomplish greatness you want to, in, in your diet, and you want to attain certain, certain objectives and reach certain goals, and it doesn't go as fast as you want. It doesn't go at exactly at the pace that you wanted. And sometimes you gain a little bit, but then you lose a little bit, and then you gain a little bit, and you lose a little bit. And here's the number one thing, is that you can't stop. 
the goal is not to attain the end goal, the end zone that you wanted. That's not the goal. The goal is the process. Life is about the process. It's not about the results. You see, we're living in a world where if you don't, I'll give you a better example. Give you a better example. You know, at the end of the completion of Talmud, any uh, tractate of Talmud, you have a, um, a special blessing that you say. And it says, Anu amelim v'hem amelim. Anu amelim v'mekablam schar. V'hem amelim v'enem mekablam schar. We toil and they toil. We, the Jewish people, we toil in our Torah. And the nations of the world, the other people, they toil in whatever they toil in. He says, but we toil and get reward. They toil and don't get the reward. What? What does that mean? What do you mean they don't get reward? So let me give you an example. So you have a plumber or an electrician. You have a little a leaky sink and you call a plumber to your house and the plumber comes and he's trying to fix it. And he says, you know what? I'm going to run to Home Depot. I'm going to buy a part. Comes back and then he tries to install the part. It doesn't work. Hours and hours and hours and hours. He's done the end of the day. It's still not fixed. It's still leaking. And he says, um, I'm sorry, I tried everything I can do. I can't fix it. But here's your bill. Is there anybody here who's going to pay the person? Right? No, obviously not. I didn't ask you to come here and work for 10 hours. I asked you to fix the problem. You can't fix it. I can't pay you. Right? Am I correct? Thumbs up. Right? That's the way most of us work. I didn't come here for you to entertain me for 10 hours under the sink. That's not what we're here for. Right? You're here for a job. Fix the job, you'll get paid. You don't fix it, you don't fix it, I'm sorry. That's the way it works. So that's what, the, that's what we say at the end of Talmud. They toil and don't get reward for the toil. They get reward for the final product. But we, just for the toil itself, we get the reward. You know what that means? That means if you work hard to study a page of Talmud or a Mishnah or a prayer or anything else that you try to learn, you try to learn the weekly portion, and you just don't understand it. You, you're, if you have a difficulty. You don't have a, a resolution to your problem. You're trying to understand something. You're trying to work on yourself. You're trying to work on, on, on learning something, and you don't finish the, the learning. You don't finish the product. Do you get reward or not? Say our sages, you do get the reward. Why? Because in Judaism, we reward the process. We don't reward the results per se. It's not about the finished product. It's about getting the process to work right. All right? And that is the secret that our sages tell us. The secret is not about the final product. So many people make this mistake where they think that it's all about the results. How many cars did you sell? That's how much money you'll make. How many deals did you close? That's that, right? You know, it's all about how many deals you closed. That's not true in Judaism. In Judaism, it's all about the effort. It's all about the effort. And that is what we get. That, that's the reward that we get is not about the results. It's not about the final product. It's about how we are dealing with the process. Let's continue here. So now when we talk about our own personal growth and our patience that we need to have for ourselves, this is one of the things that our sages tell us is key, being patient with ourselves. We need to be patient with ourselves. The closer we are with others, the more careful we must be with our patience with them. You see, I'll give you an example with children, right? So many times parents have certain expectations 
of their children. And many times it's unfair. Many times it's unfair the expectations that parents have of their children because they are living vicariously through their children. And it's not fair because, you know, it's like, I wasn't a doctor, so I want my child to become a doctor. Or I succeeded in medical school, so now I want my child to succeed in medical school just like I did. And that's not fair. I have a, a very dear friend of mine, not going to mention what profession. I've, I've mentioned it previously in, in different classes, but he's actually a doctor. And he does very well financially, but he, he's miserable. He's miserable every single day. And I asked him, I said to him, I said to him, what would you rather be doing? And he complains to me all the time. He says, I hate what I do. I hate what I do. He says, I would rather be a garbage man than be the doctor that I am. I said, so why do you do it? Why do you go become a doctor? He says, because my parents forced me to. They told me I had to be a doctor. So imagine, here's a guy who's a doctor. The parents are very happy. Oh, my son is a doctor, right? And he's miserable every day of his life. It's a very, very sad thing that someone is living, right? Their parents dream. And many times parents make this mistake is that they make their children live the life that they didn't live. And it's not fear. It's not fear because the child is their own person. They're their own. They're, our job as parents is to give our children the ability to succeed. Give them the strength to succeed. Give them the confidence to succeed in what they are capable of. Now, not capable because I decided this is what they're capable of. Bring them to a point where they can realize, when they can identify for themselves what they're capable of. And they can go on their own. And they can be independent. You know, the success of a teacher is not that the student comes back and always asks the teacher. The success of a teacher is when they teach their student and now they can learn on their own. That's what our sages tell us in our Torah. The success of a teacher, of a Rebbe, is that he's able to teach his students to think on their own. They're able to now learn Talmud on their own. They're able to, to delve into to, and to be creative in their minds, to think on their own independently. Not to mimic what their rabbi said. Not to mimic what their teacher said. Not to mimic what their parents think. Yes, there are values that we want to embed in our children. But by the time our children are 13, 14, 15, 16, 18 years old, they should be totally independent in a sense that they can now think for themselves. They can succeed on their own. And they don't need to come back every day to get approval from their parents. And they don't need their parents to, to say, yes, you could do this. No, you can't do that. Yes, you can do this. No, Go on your own. You're great. You're capable. You, I know you. I'm confident in you. You can succeed. You're a man of your own. You're, you're a woman that can be successful. It's so important to embed our children with that confidence. And the children shouldn't have to live vicariously. The parents shouldn't have to live vicariously through their children. But many times people do. Many times people live, they don't live their own lives. They're not living for their own success. They're living so that their parents give them approval or their teacher give them approval. And it's very, very important for us to understand who we are. It's very important for us to understand what we're capable of and push ourselves not to attain that success, but to aim for that success. Okay, the closer we are with others, the more careful we must be with our patience of them. Okay, now that's a very important thing is that we have to be careful not to judge other people's on our barometer. 
So if I have a friend and that friend doesn't exercise the same patience, they don't give the same charity that I give, they don't learn the way I learn, they don't behave the way I behave, that's fine. We have to understand that every person is different. Every single human being on planet Earth is unique. And just the fact that we live in the same home, just the fact that we're in the same community, just the fact that we grow up in the same society does not mean that we have to be the same. We all should have our own uniqueness. We should all have our own specialty. And we should all appreciate that in others. A friend with with whom we meet but they bring out the worst in us, right? So how many people do we have this relationship, this friendship, and it just like, they bring out the worst. You get angry with them, you get frustrated. So we have to prepare ourselves before that. You know, my rabbi used to say, he used to say, you know, Israeli cab drivers are notorious at bringing out the worst in people, right? Particularly in tourists, because they'd like to take advantage of people at times, I'm not going to, God forbid, say negative about, about our brethren, but, but they have this special knack. They have the special ability of just getting under the skin of Americans and taking advantage in one way or another uh, by upselling or upcharging us. You know, it's it sometimes is very frustrating. You want to get a ride from here to there. It should, be, it should cost you 20 shekel. It ends up costing you 30 or 40 or 50 shekel. You know, and the guy says, what do you mean? There was traffic. What do you mean? There was this. I told you it's going to be reasonable. You could have, you got, would have gone with a different cab. They would have charged you a hundred and they'd give you this whole guilt. And you're like, okay, fine. And you just give them that extra money and you get all frustrated. And you, so my rabbi used to say like this, he used to say to us, how much are you willing to pay not to be angry? And think of it, put it into perspective for a second. Are you willing to pay $10 not to be angry? How many times do we get frustrated because we were charged the wrong amount for, uh, it says uh, $9.99, we got charged $13.99, and we go back to the desk and we start yelling at them and screaming at them. It should be an adjustment. And they say, listen, I'm sorry, I need the receipt, I need this, I need that, whatever it is. And, and we lose our cool. Is it worth it for $10 to lose our cool? Is it worth it? Put it into perspective for a second. When people are, are buying a car and they're, Char upsell sold $500 because they found their friend bought the same exact car and they got it for $500 less. And they say, you know what, what can we do? You know, it's like, that, that's the way it is. You buy a more expensive one day, it's cheaper another day. That's the way things are. And we, we say, okay, you know what, we'll be more careful. It's an amazing thing that if we just change, it's $10 not to be angry. Isn't it worth $10 not to be angry? Or 10 shekel, which is $3 not to be angry. It's worth a lot more than that not to get angry. We see that, you know, we said the story about, about Hillel. He, was, say, he said to this individual, it's worth it for you to lose 800 gold coins for me not to get angry. You're right. Lily, you're right. We shouldn't be a push, pushover. We have to stand up for ourselves. But again, let's put it into perspective. So we speak to the clerk. We're, or, you know what, let's put, let's say, the, I think there's probably no one who's ever had an experience different than this. Airlines. So you're trying to make an adjustment to your flight. Your things changed. You need a you need you need a refund. You need a this and and the person on the other end of the line is just not willing to work with you. Think of it for a second. Here's a person who doesn't really have that much latitude to make any adjustment for you. It's their superiors. They're trying to do the best they can. They're trying to do the best they can. And I know sometimes we think they could do more. Right? And I want to speak to their boss. And I want to speak to their supervisor. And the supervisor's supervisor. And, right, and we're not going to be a pushover. But is it worth it getting angry? 
Is it worth it getting angry? Or use it in good, good humor. Use it as a good opportunity to laugh. You know what? It's a, thank you, Hashem, for this challenge. Thank you, Hashem, for helping me have this opportunity to not get angry and to, to exercise my patience. Right? And I'm going to keep on being patient. I'm going to laugh about this experience. It's not always going to go our way. And we have to recognize that it's not going to always go our way. And it's perfectly fine. It's perfectly fine for things not to go our way all the time. We're not going to be pushovers. We shouldn't be pushovers. But that doesn't mean that we should either be angry or we should let ourselves fall out of the realm of being patient. If there is someone who always brings us down, how can we delicately and appropriately end the relationship? Okay, so Linda, it's also a great question. I think we all have those people who trigger us, right? We all have those people, the people who bring out the absolute worst they don't talk the way we talk. They don't think the way we think. They don't, they don't vote the way we vote. And we just get so frustrated every time they bring up these issues. It's like, or that, that sister-in-law or that brother-in-law or that, you know, the, you know what? We have to prepare ourselves. It really takes work. And it's, it's not, you know, patience is not one of the easier traits to work on. But it is certainly one of the most rewarding. Because is the minute we are able to successfully change our frame of mind, our frame of mind, it's a piece of cake. I'm telling you, try it and let me know how it works. I guarantee success on this, okay? If you take 10 minutes before you're about to meet that friend who brings out the worst in you, okay, who brings you down, you prepare yourself mentally and you say something, you know, it's not worth it for me to get frustrated. It's not worth it for me to get angry. It's not worth it for me to lose my cool. I'm going to do everything in my ability to not be brought down by this individual, okay? And now you walk into this, this meeting, and you, again, you walk in prepared, prepared to keep yourself calm, to keep yourself cool, right? There's a person who always brings out the worst in you. There's a person who's, right, who's, who always tests your patience. Great, great. Now walk into that meeting Walk into that, inter- that, that interaction that you have with that person with that preparation, that frame of mind that you're being tested. You're being tested every single moment you're in that, right? And as soon as you get, you're, you're about to get triggered, remember, prepare yourselves. All we need is that little preparation. I had an individual who came over to me uh, who called me to his office. He said, Rabbi, I'm, I'm facing a big struggle. He says, in my synagogue, there's a man who financially cheated me of many hundreds of thousands of dollars. Many hundreds of thousands of dollars. And he says, I see him every single Saturday. I go to shul and I'm disgusted by this person who cheated me, who lied to me. I was an investor in a project. He never even responded to the emails. You know, once he got the money, it was like I didn't even know him, right? It's like he didn't even know who I was. He doesn't. And yet he has the gall and the chutzpah. Every Shabbos he comes over to me and he says, good Shabbos with a smile. He says, I want to punch this guy. I want, and you know what? He's right. He's right. It's very frustrating and it's very painful and it's very harmful. But again, the question is, what are you willing to pay not to be angry? The, the reality is not going to change. Okay. Whether this person is a cheat, whether this person is dishonest, is not something that's in my control. I cannot control the other person, but I could control the way I 
interact with the other person. I could control the patience I'll have with another person. So instead of me trying to control the things I'm not in control of, let me try to control the things I am in control of, which is myself. I could control my reaction. I could control my own way of looking at other people. So then we can talk about judging people favorably. We can talk about many, many other things that are important in this topic of patience. So it's a great question. Do you still have to say good Shabbos to such a person? So I'll tell you, it takes a really great person to be able to continue saying good Shabbos. I think you should say good Shabbos. The question is not whether or not you can say good Shabbos to the other person, but the question is whether you can say it with a smile. That's really the challenge. You can say good uh, good Shabbos, yeah, yeah, yeah. really good Shabbos, right? You can say it like that, right? Or you could say it, you know what? Good Shabbos. It's so great to see you, right? Without sarcasm and without it being a dig, right? That really would take a great person. Someone who really works on themselves would be able to do that. And I'll tell you, it's not easy. Someone who's had myself, I've had many people stab me over the years, right? Stab me, you know, as I was once telling someone, Rabbi Yacobian and I are very, very close friends. Rabbi Yacobian of Congregation Torah and we have we have a, a, a pact that we've made with each other, is that we'll never stab each other in the back. And if we were to stab each other, it'd be in the heart. So we know who's doing it. In the back, you don't know who's doing it. We, we joke around about it all the time. We're very close and we, we, we're good friends. We have a, 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 this pact that, you know, being in the community together as, as uh, I guess, members of the rabbinate, that, you know, there are many times that people sideswipe others and, and people, you know, try to hurt other people, you know, behind their back. If we have an issue, we're going to confront each other and talk to each other face to face and we're not going to stab each other in the back. And it's been very, it's been amazing because over the years, we've had things come up and uh, we've talked to each other directly without having any, any gripes and, you know, things. It just, we just talk to each other face to face and we work whatever issue it may be out. I love him and I believe he loves me as well. So I was once talking to someone, I mentioned to them that we have this agreement between us. Since they looked at it, it's very weird. What do you mean? You're going to stab each other in the heart, not in the back. I said, yeah, there's no room in the back. Right? There's, there's so many knives in the back already. And that's the reality. You know, any, any rabbi, I was just listening to a podcast last night of a, a, a congregational rabbi. And it reminded me about a lot of the challenges that we as rabbis have. And one of it is that, you know, a rabbi's job is 24-7, okay? We, we get phone calls at 1.30 in the morning, 2.30 in the morning, 3.30 in the morning. We get emails, we get text messages, we get WhatsApp messages, we get, and it's endless. What's really amazing is that you could be available for someone 24 hours a day, but for one minute, you don't answer their text message and they're already going, they're going crazy. I don't believe it. The rabbi doesn't respond. That. He's so unresponsive. I don't know, I don't understand. And people need to understand that rabbis have lives, rabbis have wives, Rabbis have children, rabbis have their own private time, rabbis have time where they don't look at their phone, right? They're, especially now with what's going on now with COVID-19, I hope everyone is safe and, and healthy and everyone should be safe and healthy, amen. But, you know, my, my phone is, it, like right now, I'm, I'm getting literally hundreds of messages while this class is going on. I don't know if they're funny, uh, funny memes that people are sending or videos or important broadcasts from doctors and, and the CDC and the White House and the this and the that. You know, there are many things that come up, but there are many times that during the day, I'll just turn off my phone and I'll say just like for the next five hours, I'm just not looking at my phone or it'll be off. And it's important to just stop. I, I just, 
I'm, I'm, I'm going to be off for the world. I'm going to be on for myself a little bit. I can't control the outside things, but I could control the way I respond. And it's something which is very, very, very important. That if we want to live a life of happiness, if we want to live a life of fulfillment and of joy, it is critically important that we are able to control ourselves and forget about trying to control other people. Stop trying to control other people. We're never going to be able to control other people, but we are able to control ourselves. And we're going to have the people who are going to continue to try to poke us. And they're going to try from here and try from there and try from this and try from that. And if we get to know ourselves and get to control ourselves, we're the happiest people on earth because nothing can get to us. And that is one of the goals of, of attaining this trait of patience is not allowing other people to get to us. Knowing with confidence that I'm doing the best, the very best that I can do. Not on any barometer comparing ourselves with other people. That's not our goal. My goal is not to be like anyone else. My goal is not to copy someone else. My goal is not to succeed like someone else. My goal is to be the best person that I can be. That's the goal. I'm not here trying to match anybody. I'm not here trying to beat anybody. I'm trying to be the best person I can be. So now, this person back there at the synagogue, when he meets that person, again, it would take a really great person to just ignore it and move on. But I want to share with you a parallel story and show you how there's always a greater force in the world. And that's Hashem. Okay, my wife, she, she doesn't like that I share it, but I'll, I'll share it anyway because I think it's such a great story to emphasize the importance of having a big picture perspective. And my wife is a great woman, which is why she's capable of succeeding in such a way. My wife had a business many years ago. Uh, now it's a 13 or 14 years ago. She opened up a paper goods business, a dry goods business, and she provided paper goods and uh, disposable uh, napkins and, and uh, paper plates and cups and you know all of these other things that people look for. She was providing for synagogues. She had big accounts with all the local congregations. Uh, they need uh, for their kiddish, and they need for this, and they need for that. Fancy, simple, this, that. Schools. And she built up a very, very nice business. But she never took anything out of the business. She kept on investing in the business. And all the profits went right back in. It was, it was, it really was a, a very nice, a very nice business. But eventually, it just became too much of a headache. We needed to uh, pay back our debts and we needed to, and we needed some peace of mind, you know, people calling all the, all, all the time. They have a bar mitzvah, a bat mitzvah, mm-hmm. a, a wedding, a, a this, that. They want certain, certain types of paper goods and certain types of bags and whatever it was that people would call all the time. My wife loved this and she, she, you know, she loved making people happy. She loves making people happy. So she really built up a, a very nice business and we were, um, looking to sell the business and then cash out and then just pay up all of our debts and it'll be great and it'll be, it'll be amazing. Someone came and they approached us. They said, we heard you're selling a business and we, we discussed it. We showed them what was going on. They were very interested and we put together, they said, listen, we don't have any money to put down, but you know, we'll put together a payment plan. And we, we, we had a, a lawyers drop um, legal documents and we, we, we had uh, a whole sales document put together and it was really, really very special. We were very excited. Mm-hmm. Finally, January 1st, it goes into effect. We give them all of the merchandise. We give them all of the computer systems. We give them everything. They have all the whole system. They took the whole business. And, uh, you know, a month or two later, we were supposed to make our, get our first check. Nothing. A month later, we were supposed to get the second check. Nothing. 
Okay. I meet the person. I ask him, you know, what's going on. And they're very obnoxious to me. Like, how dare you come to me and ask me for money in such a place, in such a time, in such a this. I said, you know, I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't mean I was just, I just saw you. I was just wondering, is there anything, you know? Okay. I called them. I had to try to schedule a meeting. We don't want to meet with you. It's like, well, eventually we realized that these people were scoundrels and these people were not, uh, not honest people. We had two options in front of us. We could take it to court or we can say, you know what? Hashem hu alokim. Hashem is God. Hashem is creator of heaven and earth. And Hashem has a plan. We'll figure it out. And whatever happens, happens. And whatever money we're supposed to get, we'll get from someplace else. We can drag these people through to court. We can try to fight with them. And you're talking about, you know, deep five digits. You know, it's, the, it was, it's a lot of money. And it's, you know, it's not something that, you know, it's easy. It's something that's years and years of work. And I remember I turned to Zahava, my wife, and I said, Zahava, I think Hashem is presenting us with a challenge here. And Hashem is saying, do you recognize that money comes from me? Or do you recognize that money comes from you, from your hard work and from your sale and from your this? These people eventually, they went, they, they sold everything for cash. They left town. They foreclosed on their house. They moved to a different state and we never saw them again. Zahava accepted upon herself that. And she mm-hmm. said, you know what? We're not going to hold them accountable. We're looking to Hashem. Hashem is the one who's amazing. Hashem is the one who gives sustenance and Hashem is the one who gives a supply, and everything comes from Hashem. And if he wants us to have that, we'll have it. If he wants us to lose it, we'll lose it, and we're accepting it with love. A week later, a week later, I get a phone call from a friend of mine from New York who tells me, you know, I have a business in in, in New York, and I'm trying to expand to different states, and I need mm-hmm. a local address, and I need a local business uh, location, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, until I get myself started. And I'm willing, as payment for that, to give you 10% of my earnings for, you know, till, till I'm able to establish my own office. It really was not going to take much work. I needed to just have a business entity. I needed to open up a bank account. And it was very, it was uh, very, very fluid. And uh, things, it was amazing that I calculated that till that person opened up their office, the exact amount of money that we earned from them with literally no effort on our side, was exactly the amount of money of the sale of my wife's business. Exactly the amount of money and in less time. So Hashem took it from here and gave it from here. Right? But you know what? We could be so angry and we could be so mad by the injustice. I can't believe it. It's they're taking advantage of us. They're, 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 they're cheaters and they're liars and they're thieves. And we could be angry and mad. Or we can just say, you know something? There's a master of the universe. There's a creator of heaven and earth. There's no one aside from the almighty who is able to bring success. There's no one aside from the almighty who is able to take success from us. And this individual is just a puppet. And this person who took the business from us, took it by the command of Hashem. And you know what? Hashem gave us that money from someplace else. And I'm telling you, I'm not exaggerating one word of what I'm telling you. It was dollar for dollar, the sale amount for what we got from this. Dollar for dollar. You know what? It's our choice whether or not we want to be people who are happy and patient or whether we want to be people who are 
successful in being patient and calm and relaxed and happy in every area of our lives. So my dear friends, before we leave today, remember that we have the ability within ourselves to be patient. We have the the ability within ourselves to be calm, to be happy, to be successful. And we have to realize that we can only control ourselves, number one, at best, if we can control anything. And there is a God, creator of heaven and earth, who decides what we have and what we don't have. He decides whether we have that job or whether we don't have that job. He decides whether we'll have that career or whether we don't have that career. We have to put forward our efforts. That's the only thing we have control of is our efforts, is putting together the greatest effort we can to succeed. Whether or not we actually succeed is not within our hands. And it's something which is, in our American culture, it's very difficult for us to accept that we're not in control. But look at the world we're living in today, today, right? Today is the, the uh, 22nd of March. And we're all sitting in our own homes. We're all sitting locked up, right? Because of what? Not because of a nuclear war. Not because of any, any uh, financial crisis. Not because of, because of a microbe that is smaller than any of us can see, that is traveling around the world and telling us we're not in control. Is that the most remarkable thing? We think till today we're in control till March 1st, March 20th, March, right? We're thinking we are in control. We have everything. We have our financial security. We have a 401k is going through the roof. Look at us. We're just flourishing in the United States and all over the world. Everybody, everything is going great. Look at us. We have, we have, and then we realize that one little microbe changes everything. It changes the trajectory of the world forever. The world will never be the same. The way we travel will never be the same. The way we greet one another will never be the same. We'll always have this caution in our mind. We have to sanitize. We have to be more careful with germs. We have to, one little microbe, we're locked up in our homes. Isn't that amazing? And we think that we're in control. Hashem is teaching us, I'm in control. By the way, we had Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi uh, Laser Brody gave a remarkable class. If you can find it on Facebook Live or on YouTube, remarkable class talking about the coronavirus. And he says the word corona is such a non-coincidence that that's the name of this this pandemic. Corona means crown. What else is, we talk about Hashem as being the crown. It's called the crown virus, right? The virus of the, the humanity not recognizing Hashem. It's a remarkable insight. We need to recognize that Hashem, who Ha'elokim, Hashem is the master of the universe. Hashem is the God creator of heaven and earth. Hashem is the one who controls everything around us. Hashem controls every single interaction that we have. You think that it's your friend who's triggering you? It's not your friend. It's Hashem testing you. And the minute you prepare yourself, Hashem says, oh, this person's ready. I'm going to test them. And then it's never going to be an issue again, you'll see. I'm telling you this. I've had this experience myself with things that I thought were were insurmountable, the things that I was never going to be able to overcome. With a little preparation, suddenly it wasn't an issue anymore. Suddenly I was able to overcome those things. 
suddenly I was able to succeed in overcoming with a little bit of preparation because Hashem sees, you know what? You've prepared for it. You're ready to go. I'm going to test you. And then you're successful. I'll move on. You'll grow in another area. You've grown in this area. I'm giving you a new test.